0: Hi folks, and welcome to episode 481 of Chit Chat Across the Pond. I am your guest host, Bart Bouchotz. Alison is off, well, she's not quite sunning herself this time. She's off um, swimming with turtles on the Galapagos, and then I believe she's hiking up to Machu Picchu. So uh, it'll be a very energetic holiday for her, but that doesn't mean I'm any less jealous. Um, Anyway, hopefully she's having a great time. In the meantime, I'm taking over the show, and I have found myself a guest to interview for Chit Chat Across the Pond. A fellow Irish-accented person. Um, I would like you to welcome Dermot Daly, who is a MacDev or not a Mac developer, a, a mobile developer. Hi, Dermot. Hey Bert. How's it going? Not too bad at all. So you you've been on my show, um, Let's Talk Apple, but you haven't been on anything on Alison's uh, Little Empire. So do you want to just sort of explain to the listeners what it is you do? Sure,
1: I I run a mobile app development company here in Ireland called Tapadoo. Um, so we've been knocking about since, well, pretty much since the iOS SDK was released, so uh, around 2009, where we we set up the company. Um, we you know we've got customers in Ireland, UK, USA. Uh, we've done apps from everything for startups up to some of the world's biggest brands. Um, we do iOS and Android, so I guess that's kind of it.
0: Cool. And so the the reason I asked you on as a guest is because, like, those of us in the Mac world, we know the App Store from well because it's the way it's the only way to get apps onto our iOS devices, and it's a very popular way to get apps onto our Mac. So we sort of see the App Store as a user. But we hear an awful lot of news stories about how terrible, wonderful, awful, disastrous, brilliant... I mean, every extreme in the world is thrown out there. The App Store is for developers. And I just thought it would be really interesting to talk to someone who's not, you know, trying to get sensationalist headlines, but who just... This is just what you do. So when you experience this, it's real. Yeah, Um, absolutely. and, And the fact that you guys do both Android and iOS makes you an extra interesting guest, of course, because... Google and Apple do things differently, and that has effects on the client side, you know, on the, the customer side. But I'm imagining it also has effects for you as a developer. I imagine you have a notably different experience with the two app stores. So maybe that's actually a good place to to start, actually. So you, you work with both. So how are they different? How do you find that the two companies are different in their developer Relations. I guess I guess when well when it comes to the app stores the diff the difference is around
1: um, the policies for getting in and I guess um, you know approvals mm-hmm. and so on. So mm-hmm. the way it works on the iOS side of things is you submit to Apple, you wait for a review, uh, review happens, and you get accepted or you get rejected. Mm-hmm. Um, on um, and, and I suppose, uh, I, I guess more recently, what's also happened is there's some static code analysis that gets that happens. So sometimes you can be rejected immediately if they find you're using, say, private API calls you're not meant to be using. But but by and large, it's submit, wait for review and, and get your answer. Yeah. Um, on the Android side, uh, the Google Play Store. No, of course, there's multiple stores, but we we mainly only put stuff into the Google Play Store.
0: So, so that's the uh, official store. So the other stores are stores run by third parties or stores run by other handset makers.
1: Well, third parties mainly. So if you think about it, for example, Amazon have a store. You right, know, and okay. you, can, you you can submit your 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 apps to the Amazon store, uh, which uh, I assume is kind of mainly for people with with Fire devices. But you know, you can configure multiple stores on an Android device. Okay. but anyway with, with, with the Google Play Store, the big difference is there isn't really a review uh, and there 's a little asterisk beside that mm. uh, It used to be you put it into the store you wait for a couple of hours and it 's in and in fact the the policy used to be that if if Google got enough complaints that 'd be why they 'd pull it from the store so they granted it, it was a bit of a wild west they 'd let anything in um, and and use kind of uh, exceptions to pull pull it back out of the store so it 's almost a mirror image. Of how Apple did it, right? Um, although of late uh, there is some static analysis going on, and there does appear to be some level of uh, approval happening. Uh, That's certainly what we've noticed over the last few months. I, I don't know how, how long ago that started, but that seems to be the case. Certainly, still quicker, um, but there there is a slight difference in policy there.
0: Something that the, the news stories have led me to believe is that since Phil Schiller took over the App Store on Apple's side, there's been quite a few changes. And generally speaking, it seems that Phil Schiller is trying to make the, the, the process smoother or quicker. Well, both, I think, for for you guys. So have you, have you noticed a change, an improvement in review times with Apple?
1: Yeah, no, the app review times have definitely dropped of late. And, um, there's a very good site called appreviewtimes.com. And what they do is they encourage developers to tweet their own app review times and they correlate that information and public and um, publish the, the results. So it's like crowdsourced information for app review times. Right. Um, and, and we'd often refer to that if customers always ask. It's always a, a source of tension for customers, to be quite honest with you. But, um, it is, it has actually got a lot easier. And in fact, you know, to be quite honest, a lot of the um, the horror stories from years ago, they're not as bad anymore. So it used to be you put something into the store, you had no idea whether it was going to get through. I remember the first app I, I submitted, you know, it took nine days or something, you know.
0: Oh, God, that's and nine and days of absolute nail-biting, I, I imagine.
1: Absolutely. It was my first app putting into the store. It's 2009. If it goes in, it's going to go well, and I'm sitting there with nothing. It's a black box. And it it, it used to be quite amusing with customers because what what would happen is we'd say, okay, we're submitting your app today and here's what's going to happen. We are not going to hear anything for five or six days and nothing we can do in the meantime will change that. But what's also going to happen is in three days' time, you're going to get antsy and get in touch with us and ask us, is there any update? And that always (laughs) happens, always. You know? So now it's not really as, it doesn't seem to be as bad. And certainly, I suppose the other thing is um, the horror stories from years ago are when when it was all new and people were trying stuff on. So the rules were written, but, you know, some of them might have been open to interpretation. So people were trying, you know, trying to do things that they Feelings probably should for the be edges or Looking for the edges, exactly. So we, we kind of have a good idea where the edges are and, um, you know – in, in in our, what are we, we're at this eight years now, I guess. In our eight years of doing um, app development, we have had no rejection no all-out rejections apart from one. And that one was a project where when the client came to us, we said, we don't think this will be approved as an app. And it was a very short project and they said, we'll take a punt on it. And part of the problem was it was a very short project. It was so, it was so simple that we didn't think they'd, they'd approve it and it got rejected and it was time sensitive the time came and went and the client didn't really care so in, in all those eight years we've had one full on rejection and we predicted. it
0: okay so it's you haven't found it to be this capricious hell or anything like that no I mean I, You know you
1: can fall off all of it. I mean, you know you can. You you know sometimes you might have done all your testing and then Apple find a bug, in which case that's an instant rejection. You know if if they found a crash or something. But I've I've never felt anything was unfair. I um, we had one once where um, it was for a mobile operator and it allowed you to upgrade your um, your plan in app. So basically you're going from a 20 quid a month to a 30 quid a month um, service or something like that. And they rejected that and said, you have to use in-app purchasing for that. And I was able to go back and quote to them their own rules that said if the goods and services are, are provided outside the app it's against the rules to use in-app purchasing so I just did a, a an actual kind of um, appeal and right. it, they came back immediately and just put it straight in
0: and, Okay so the, I guess the appeals process has probably evolved a lot I mean it seemed looking at it from the outside it seemed the initial appeal process was Twitter <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah, well I mean the the, the thing is, the, we've all obviously seen a lot of high profile ones of those, but you know, I, I kind of feel for those, because what happens is um, I, I read about one just yesterday where um, somebody has written an app that tra- that tracks all drone strikes uh, and it's a way of raising um, awareness of drone strikes. Right. Uh, that's been pulled from the app store a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also remember one, I think, um, when PCALC did a, I think he, he did a, a Today widget so that you could completely use a calculator in your lock screen um, and initially Apple rejected it uh but the 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 guy who writes PCALC, James James Thompson, is very well known and he's very well known among a lot of the a lot of the well known journalists in the area. So that story got a lot of air time and with a result um the app was subsequently accepted into the app store. Now the only concern I'd have there is that, you know, if you're not James Thompson, if you're if you're a regular person who isn't connected to yeah. I'm and to Daring Fireball and so on, uh, you don't have the that might behind you.
0: Yeah, but there is a formal appeals process
1: now, is there? There is a formal appeals process. So, you know, even when when you get rejected, you get an email that says your app has gone to rejected. But there is a, you know, you go into iTunes Connect and there is a, you know, there's a contact us form in there where you can, you can make your case. So, and that's always been there. So it, it's just, it it almost just forms a ticket in their system and somebody else is looking at it kind of thing.
0: And when you get a rejection, it doesn't just say no. I presume they give you... More than just a no. Oh, they'll they'll give you the reason. They'll
1: tell you why you can What you've contravened. Now that the the rules aren't quite you. Well, actually, they are. They'll say you've contravened. Uh, see section 12 in the in the App Store guidelines, and they'll say what rule they feel you've broken, and they'll tell you how they found that you had broke that rule. So, let me give you another example. I remember years ago somebody had some um some screenshots that they'd uploaded as part of their as part of their submission, and with their dummy data they'd use Steve Jobs' name, and they just right. said. You can't use that. Uh, And they'll come back and say, you know, you're using Apple trademarks or you're using, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, They're quite specific. You change it. You give it back to them. They're reasonable people, you know.
0: Yeah. Many, many, many years ago, I was involved with another podcast. um, And we had our own app at that stage. And they rejected us because our logo had the Apple logo in it. Yeah. Uh, So we ended up having to switch to a pineapple with a bite out of it. Um, Yeah. Which was okay because the title of the show was International Mac Podcast, so it made us look more exotic. Yeah, um, and it did eventually work out, but it, it, it was an it was an interesting it was an interesting process to go through. There was much swearing done, of course, because we were young and naive. And it it feels like a big deal at the time,
1: but I mean, you know, the the problem with it is is that the stories have endured. So. You know, there was lots of stories of people getting rejected, and there was lots of stories of people saying, "Hang on, I've spent three months of my time; my livelihood depends on it, and so on." Um, so even to this day, when we're dealing with clients who haven't put an app in the store, quite early on they often say, "It's very hard to get an app into the store, isn't it?" And that's right. not the—that's not true at all. It's actually quite straightforward, you know, and the. the the, the kind of obvious reasons for rejection now is your app is too trivial. It's not worth being an app. But the kind of customers we deal with, we'd never have to do that kind of a kind of work.
0: So I, a concern I always had from the outside looking in is that you don't want it to be the case that a developer spends six months working really hard on something without any sort of understanding of whether or not Apple will accept it. And then they'll, Apple will just capriciously say no. And then that's six months of work. You know, piddle down the toilet. Yeah. So you're saying if you read the rules and know that you're not nibbling at the edges, you should expect a fairly comfortable process.
1: Absolutely. It's 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 not that onerous, you know. And certainly when we have apps with things like crashlytics in them, Mm. you know, we've seen them going into review and they get a cursory glance. They're not even getting. Um, you know, a major test or anything like that. You, they, you know, you might find that your app is being checked for, you know, five minutes, three minutes, that sort of thing. You know.
0: So I guess if they find they crashed, then it really that's not a good sign. If they can crash it in three minutes. No, no but I always think a very
1: good app can be can be demoed completely in about a half a minute. You know, a good app does one sure. thing and one thing well. Now, of course, there are um, exceptions to that, but you know, a lot of the time. You know, you take an app that's really popular. You know, Twitter. You pick it. You 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 open up Tweetbot. You send a tweet and you you hit send and then you close it again. You know, it's you're in and out in 40 seconds.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. Okay. And as yeah, this interesting. you're saying that there is also now automated stuff going on. So I I presume when that reports back to you, it's also pretty specific on what's going on.
1: Yeah, so that, that's they will come back and say, you know, our tests have shown that you are using a private API, for example. It might be an undocumented API that somebody's found, um, and there is a number of ways to do them because because Objective C is runtime bound and Swift is as well. You can, uh, you know, you can call methods if you know their names, and also you can do stuff like load libraries at runtime. But by and large, you are not supposed to, so they can just check for that sort of stuff. You know, if you if you run uh, nm on a on a on a library file, I think it's nm. It's one of the command line tools. You actually get the symbol table. You know, so yes. if they see the symbol table and see that you've actually called. A, a, you know, they, I'm sure they've got a kind of a blacklist of of things they don't want you calling. Yes, they're going to just auto reject it. Yeah. And, and I will say, it will It's say, will it, just constantly updated. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head if they tell you exactly um, which symbol. Which symbol, but I, I do know, for example, that. Every now and then, one of the big third-party libraries will get hit. So, if you take, for example, um, over time, they've they've deprecated the calls to getting the device UDID because more right. often than not, it was being they were being used by ad networks to to gather stats across apps, which obviously you know could be seen as a privacy violation. So yeah, they they over time um, deprecated uh, the UDID call, but. They would have also kind of, you know, started to say, well, your app is making this call that we don't want you to make. And you'd find somebody like Flurry or, or Crashlytics coming out and saying, OK, we've got to update our library and you'll have to update your apps.
0: Right. OK, so, and of course, you would be compiling in that library. So if you're using version one of the library, you'd have to exactly. get version two from them and recompile your app and then resubmit your app, I guess.
1: Exactly, exactly. And and by and large, they're not too bad on apps that are already in the store. Uh, Although lately, um, there was a a pretty big call in the last, I guess, in the last three or four months. Um, Apple went through and said if an app hadn't been resubmitted or recompiled in a number of years. And, you know, there's no active users of it or or certainly no active um, downloads of it. Uh, they're considering pulling them from the store. And I think we had one really old one that we hadn't touched in years and, you know, the customer didn't really care about it anymore kind of thing. And it was pulled from the store recently, but it was, you know, didn't bother us, you
0: know. I remember reporting on that on Let's Talk Apple. And one of the things they were focusing on first was apps basically which now crashed on modern versions of iOS, but obviously wouldn't have done so ages ago An apps that... Haven't yet been updated for the iOS, the latest, you know, the various iOS updates. Like, you still have these apps that would start with massive banners top or massive gaps top and bottom. CinemaScope,
1: yeah, yeah. You
0: yeah. know, because yeah, cause the app hadn't been updated since, like, you know, the iPhone 3G or something. Um,
1: absolutely, absolutely and the right to do that if you ask me uh, I agree
0: I think it was Irish Rail had had their app was doing that for ages and then last month an update came out and the release notes read like a four year old because Apple made us update the app there are no changes I was like well actually your app could really do with some changes but thank (laughs) you for making it at least fill the screen on my iPhone 6 thank you you know there's there's Probably a
1: wider um there's there's kind of a wider discussion to be had there, which is we would find um a lot of the times we will go to our customers and say um, particularly we, we try to get out the wWDC every year and we'll come back and say here's the important things for your business yeah. uh, for your app and By and large, I guess, uh, particularly say with enterprise customers or larger corporate customers, they are pretty happy that they've paid for their app. They're not really used to this whole idea that, whether they like it or not, their users are going to upgrade every year. Um, you know, they're used to using Windows XP on their desktop. But, you know,
0: this right. Sort of yeah. Okay. So they don't have, See, I, what I like to say, cause I, like I work in corporate IT and whenever people have this attitude, which makes me very cranky because you buy a car and you don't expect that to last you 10 years, you expect there to be an ongoing maintenance problem or not, problem? Yeah. sorry, a maintenance cost. I mean, it is a thing that is going to need work. And it's like, an app is not just for christmas if you build an app you have to maintain it. it 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 is alive until the point where you stop putting money into it and you know something at that stage it's dead yeah and i think
1: that it's interesting to look at the contrast there between ios and android because um again are somewhat mirrored problems so so let me just explain some of them problems right yeah. so the thing is um people who work in corporate IT um, use stable networking environments and uh, you know it's not in IT's interests to roll out a new operating system to 100 PCs. That's just a massive headache for them. So by and large they'll do it until they have to. So like I say I, I'm exaggerating a little by saying people still run Windows XP but oh, yeah. you know you, you definitely hear of situations that people said, well we went to Windows 7 but we're not going to 8 and we might skip it for the next one or whatever it happens to
0: yeah, so, yeah, but I I tell you, if you go on a hunt for Windows XP in Ireland in Ireland's offices find today, oh, you will find it. You it will you, find will it. Absolutely find it.
1: So so those people are are used to um, uh, long term supported versions of operating systems and so on. In in the iOS world, here's what happens. Apple Go Beta at WWDC in June. Uh, About 12 weeks later or so, it typically will go uh, be released to the public. In fact, before that, it'll be released as a beta to the public. Uh, And come about two or three weeks after full release, so sometime around mid-October, 80% of your users users are going to be on the latest version of, of iOS. And sometimes, particularly if you haven't updated your app, they will include breaking changes. So, we we obviously try to encourage our customers to um to set aside some development time with us during that beta cycle, um but by and large a lot of them are kind of like yeah no well let's wait and see you know there, there's there's kind of a complacency there and and it's it's a reluctance to spend more money on Android there's a different problem right so the the way uh the the way the problem manifests itself on Android is Google, trundle away, keep – you know, they're bringing out a new version every year. But the handset manufacturers fork it as a time as and when it's of use to them. Yeah. So – I'm bringing out my new Samsung S8. I'll take the very latest version of Android, but I'm forking it today and I'm going to spend the next three months testing, working with the handset or working with the various operators around the world, making sure there's nothing wrong there. And I'm going to do lots and lots of work and I'm going to put my own, uh, I'm going to put my own dare I say a crapware on there and and so on right so it's not a moving it's a it's quite a, a static you know it's it's a point in time fork that they do yeah um and in fact it's not really in their interest to keep ahead because you know what in a year's time they're bringing out new hands and they want to be able to announce new stuff both on hardware and software so by and large a lot of android users won't get over the air updates now the Google reference handsets, the Nexus, and so on—they do get over-the-air updates, but by and large, a lot of the consumer Android devices
0: don't. Yeah. And which now, when I put my security hat on, that just—that just frightens the absolute live and be Jesus out of me. This notion that you have all of these customers, you are never going to see an update. Google can patch twenty million critical security vulnerabilities, and all of those devices are just left to languish.
1: It it is a little scary, but I guess the I guess the the argument probably against the over the air upgrades is that, you know, when Samsung deliver a Galaxy to Ireland, they'll deliver a Vodafone edition, they'll deliver a Three edition, they'll deliver, you know, a, a Tesco Mobile edition, you know. So my understanding is if you were going to purchase more than five thousand handsets, they will give you some sort of um uh, customized ROM if you need it. So, so that's why I'd but, be inclined but,
0: to say that whole model is what's wrong and Apple have it right get all the middlemen out of the way and have the OS come from the OS vendor straight to the user and not have any of these idiots messing with it in between but as I say that's my opinion
1: that, uh, yeah I, I once saw that described as you can tell how bad a phone is going to be by the number of logos on the box yeah uh, you know <laughs> you've got a you've got a Samsung Android Vodafone etc logo on the box you know they've all had a handle in it right so but but um. Leaving that aside, look, Android is, to my mind, getting really, really, really good in the newer versions. However, if you looked at the take-up today of the latest version, you'd still see it's in kind of single-digit percentages because of the aforementioned reasons.
0: So, As a developer, does that not infuriate you no end because you're looking at the, the stuff at Google I.O. and they're announcing these really cool features and you're sitting there going, I can't use these because it's only 5% penetration.
1: Yes, is the short answer to that. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. It really does. And and not only that, but because because of that, we also find ourselves having to be quite backwardly compatible. So we we typically have to go back uh, quite historic on Android to maintain a widespread of what's likely to be on the customer's handsets. In in iOS, the recommendation we always give to our customers is the current version and the last Minor version. So, for example, t- today we would say to people, support iOS 10 and 9.3, but don't go back any further than that. Um,
0: probably gives you like way into the 90% coverage.
1: It gets you way into 90% coverage, but um, you know, we still have a similar problem. I will go to WWDC, see lots of cool features that I will not be implementing for at least another year, because our customers will, st- you know, our hmm. you know our clients still want to get. Um, it's funny. A, a customer sees something bigger than three or four percent; they consider that a big part of their audience. Um, you know, we we find ourselves trying to argue the toss because, you know, if somebody's two percent of your audience today, it's only going south. You know, yeah, they're
0: not going to be four percent tomorrow.
1: They're going to be exactly, less. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, and, and would you believe, like this evening before I started this call, I was I was writing one of those emails.
0: <laughs> do you not have it in text expander? Do you just? <laughs> Copy paste that same answer. Um, that's interesting though. So, I guess, so does that mean that bug, like, so you're, you, so features get, you don't have the problem with the app stops working because the OS is stay way behind than Android. But if there's a known bug, you're left working around that for ages, are you? Um, by
1: and large, yes. But in fairness to Google, they have done some great stuff. Um, where where you can upgrade what's called the Google Play services and that would have a lot of Google's APIs in it, so that can be updated in, independently. So uh-huh. what you can do is on launch say, well, this app needs Google Play services version whatever, and you know that's an easy thing for a user to download and upgrade.
0: So, so okay, so that, like, does, uh, the idea wasn't so that's kind of like an OS within an OS almost. So so you know the way in Apple land, everything is you, you have Apple's standard libraries. Sure. So, does Google have a similar set of standard libraries which they now package as part of the App Store?
1: These would be um, more. Uh, it's probably not fair to call them part of the operating system, but it's 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 probably better to call them you know general support libraries and they have things like json formatters and you know um you know number formatters that sort of stuff you know so
0: would it have like an equivalent of core audio or core video or would it not be um, quite that ex- that not not quite footage? that low level but it would
1: would have the equivalent of say you know api stacks for say google uh, google maps for example okay you know, so something that would be reasonably uh, major component that you would use, they can be updated independently.
0: Or maybe stuff like a web view would that be something that would come as part that of sort that sort
1: of stuff? Possibly, I wouldn't know for sure, but uh, that wouldn't surprise me. Would I guess the web view is probably coming from Chrome
0: anyway. And I suppose is it that Google are moving more things into this Play Store set of tools, which they can update. I'd, I'd,
1: I think Google really wants to move to a to a model similar to Apple's because it's just such a, such a more secure and better way. I, I, you know they they're trying to push the handset manufacturers into it. They're doing it themselves in the reference devices. know um, yeah. the, the the reference devices aren't sold here in Ireland, so when we buy them, we always have to import them. But um, I I don't know how popular they are. I don't I don't know whether they're used by by normals or just by techies. If you know what I mean.
0: It's very hard for me to judge that because my circle of friends is not normal. (laughs) No offense to any of my friends. Um, So, yeah, I know that the the Android users I know would be all the kind of people who would be, frankly, flashing their own phone and running, you know, with stuff straight from Google. Yeah. And so they're always getting the latest and greatest and they're always staying up to date and they're always getting their security updates. And they're very happy Android users because whenever Google announced new shiny, they get new shiny. Yeah. But I think they're an awful minority. But they are so general – like
1: if you take, for example, a Google Nexus device, you can buy them on the Google Store SIM-free in the UK, yeah. and they're very reasonable as well. And they're well spec phones. They're great devices. And I, again, like I say, I'm I'm somewhat similar. I don't know many people, non-techies in the UK, so I don't know if that's a popular device in the UK. And again, if you, and I, I think you can buy them in the car phone warehouse and so on. But, you know – if you walk in off the street to buy an Android device, you know who Samsung are. You know who Sony are. Yes. You probably don't even know that Google are behind Android. Uh, I'm talking about you. Yeah, your, no, you're your, right. Your it's that green apps. robot
0: icon. It's not the big G. Exactly. exactly. And I guess most so. people get their phone subsidized because that way you're, it, It's. it's a lot less scary to sign up to pay 60 euros or 60 pounds a month than it is to sign up oh, here you go, I have £800 or £600 or £400. Even though I know we pay more in the long run, and I know all the mathematics, but at the same time, I think almost everyone in the British Isles gets contract phones.
1: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's very, very common. I mean, even when you buy a prepay phone, uh, they're locked to the network, so they are subsidised. Because
0: you're stuck there. Yeah, so you're going to be buying yeah. credit from them forever. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, something I wanted to be absolutely sure to ask you about is, so as we record this... There are new stuff happening in the app store where I think the the ability there's a new API coming live with the iOS that was released this week, which changes how an app can ask for reviews. Yeah, is that something that you people like yourself were hoping for? Um, that's an interesting
1: one because I guess um, the the review the, the review situation has always been, I think, quite flawed, right? So. Um, what most people have done is built Apparator in, which is just a, a cocoa pod you can download, and that's the one that you would be used to seeing, or the one that every now and then pops up and says, please write me yes, no thanks. Um, even Instagram has it, if you know what I mean. But, yeah,
0: none of those three buttons is actually Sudo Forever, which makes me very cranky. Yeah, yeah, no, I I,
1: I get that. And to be honest, the, the, the App Store... Uh, suffers from what we call the one star five star problem nobody stops and gives you you know a three star review with some with some useful feedback they either think you're the best things in sliced bread or you're an absolute idiot <laughs> yeah.
0: well, i guess if they have another opinion of you they don't feel motivated to go leave a review it's, exactly and I, I find myself historically not leaving reviews for the simple reason that it makes me sign into itunes and i think with this new api that barrier is going to be gone, and it's going to be much easier for me to give you a useful two, three, or four-star review instead of a "you're awful," "you're brilliant" one or five. So I'm hoping that I'm going to be leaving more reviews now that it's easier for me as a customer.
1: Yeah, one would hope that, for example, Touch ID—you'll be able to log in with Touch ID anyway, right? Which you can, which you can today when you're purchasing, but let' just say, not when you're leaving a review. Um, we don't find our clients. Um, Ask us to put in app rating, and, and we we very rarely heard that to be put in. We do find our clients get stressed over rate over um, app store reviews. I think the the more important and more useful um, feature that's coming in is the right reply. So um, we haven't seen the full details about it. It's just going to be coming out reasonably vague, but the idea would be that you can reply to review. However, it's not going to become a big threaded. Uh, reply, of, of of YouTube comments, right? So <laughs> it, it's actually going to be one reply and that's the end of it. So the person leaves a one-star review, you go in and say, sorry, this happened, here's why it happened. Um, and support or... Yeah, you can get us here or whatever it happens to be, you know?
0: Or actually, if you click on this icon, then this icon does exactly what you say you want. Or... Yeah, because a lot of the time it's a problem exists between keyboard and chair or I guess between touchscreen and... Some, sometimes it be, or wherever, it's it
1: Sometimes it can be out. Like, let, let me give you an example. We we've done an, uh, an app recently that's a medical device. So it's, it's Bluetooth connected to a medical device. So, full FDA approval. Um, serious work on um, in terms of formalized testing. Serious work on upfront design, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's been out in the app store for over a year. And then we we this year we worked on an Android equivalent. Um, and we tested across a ton of handsets and the quality of Bluetooth across Android is is variable to say the least. But one or two handsets, we just have to say, look, this is not going to work. I mean, literally we're doing the same calls and nothing is returning. And one of them have, happens to be the OnePlus phone. These are high-spec phones coming out of China. They're actually great phones, but their Bluetooth is rubbish. And um. So I was just looking in in the app store there today, and it had a one-star review saying, I bought this product, it doesn't work with my phone, Uh, therefore it's rubbish, and it's one-star. And I have no way to go back to that user and say,
0: are you using one of these phones we said it wouldn't work on?
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, or even, I mean, our, our client might might happily give them a refund and say, you know, send the product back. We understand it's not going to work with your handset. Sorry about that. But the the distance to your customer has to your end user has always been a bit of a problem. Um, and again, I understand why they do it because. Do you, do you really want people sidestepping the app store and then getting into their own bun fights if you know what I mean? So,
0: um, and it's, looking it's at it from the outs, you know, from my point of view as a customer, I love the fact that I can buy something in the app store, and the person who wrote the app has no ability to spam me ever. Sure, sure. But it, but how would you
1: feel if um, you know, if if you really wanted to get useful help? They're going to need a way to get in touch with you somehow.
0: But the app store always has a link. If you go to the app, and the app store is always a link to support. True.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It does have. It does have a link to support.
0: So I mean, I have I have bought apps that have not that have gone weird that I have needed to contact the developer, and I have never not been able to contact the developer.
1: And at that point, you probably have shared an email address with them so that they can yeah. respond to you or whatever, or a Zendesk. Yeah,
0: exactly. Zendesk. And at that stage, yeah. I'm initiating a contact, and that's perfectly fine because that's in my control. Yeah. Whereas in the olden days, if you bought an app off someone, they had your contact details and you would henceforth magically get spam on that topic forevermore.
1: <laughs> for every minor release of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, or even just for a related apps. So, by the way, we've also just done this completely different app that has nothing to do with what you bought off us. Why don't you buy that one too? Yeah, it used yeah, to drive yeah. me absolutely potty. So, it's one of the things I like about Apple's approach is that if I want to contact the developer, I can, but the developer doesn't have any route to me. Sure. I I think the, the I
1: guess the counter argument to that is that some people have have only released their software through their app store. It is their business, mm. and they basically don't get to interact with their own customers um, at all.
0: Well, I guess a little like, bit through release notes and stuff. Yeah, but, but it would have been, I guess the,
1: the thing there is, you know, release notes are only when they download your app or only when they go look for you in the app store. You might have a very good reason for, for interacting with a customer and you might have a very good reason to need to interact with a customer in a timely fashion and you literally can't. And and that might manifest itself as appearing to supply bad service to your customers, but you would no way of actually doing that.
0: I suppose in theory you could put a no, you could have mechanisms inside the app to put up a notification.
1: Yeah, yeah, but the the, the problem with that is you 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 got to have known that you may want to do that in the future. Yes, and 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 frankly, um, you know, you just said a few minutes ago yeah, you hate being out for an app review. The the same could apply where. You know, you, you, the only way to make sure that I'm front and center with this is to pop up a modal in front of the customer, which is just getting in their way.
0: So, yeah, it doesn't have to be a modal. I mean, you, you know, you, you you could have it that there's just a little banner at the top saying, you know, by the way, there's going to be an outage next Tuesday. Sorry about that. I mean, it, it doesn't sure. have to be annoying. It's Sure. I mean, I you know, it's, it's sort of one of the things I would think of because in my work as a sysadmin, we tend to have systems built in where we have the ability to pop up a banner when we need to. Yeah, and we you, might trigger You jump them. on a
1: console and type a wall to everybody. <laughs> well, yeah.
0: I mean, you know, in, in the case of modern web apps, it wouldn't be all quite like that. But we would basically have a mechanism. Our themes for, say, our virtual learning environment would have an administrative feature built in where someone in the Center for Teaching and Learning or whatever could go in and put up a notice to all users, which would just... was sure. a predefined placeholder for it within our theme, And if there's no message, it's completely invisible. And if there is a message, then, you know, a a box with a yellow border appears and says, you know, Auga, there's, terribly sorry for the short notice, but there's scheduled maintenance in five minutes. Sorry about that or whatever. Yeah, look, I I, I get what you're saying. But, I
1: mean, the the thing is that becomes, um, that's almost something that you have to build almost like a feature in an app. And Mm -hmm. many apps can be very, very standalone. They can, do you know what I mean? They can work with... You know, a, we've got a single system in place and now we have to add in intercom or attentive or something like that yeah. just in case if you know what I mean and now we're paying for a third party software just in case and I think
0: you I kind know, of argue that Apple should provide that kind of thing as part of the core
1: yeah you could pro- you could probably make an argument I, I think the, the point I'm making here is that you know there's uh, there's two sides to that argument and sure. and both are valid, right? They the the, yes. the end customers point of view is uh you know, very, very well respected by the way by Apple. Whereas the app developers point of view, they the you know, there'll be a lot of app developers who feel their hands are tied by not being able to somehow get in touch with what, what ultimately are their customers, people who have mm. paid them for their product. Um I was at a talk a couple of years ago at uh, Singleton, a Singleton conference in Canada and the guys who wrote, uh, was a text wrangler? I think it might've been text wrangler. So be bare bones. Uh, it was bare bones. Yeah. 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 The guys from bare bones, um, gave this really long talk about why he was leaving the app store. And he had five or six really compelling reasons, but it was always, it's not quite this reason, it's not quite that reason. But all of them were a way of making his points of how the Mac App Store were making it difficult for him.
0: Yeah, and Uh, the thing is, their app is not a good fit for the Mac App Store. Well, it's not because it needs file system
1: access. I mean, that's that's the big problem there. But it's
0: part uh, of it. But also a terminal integration. Like, I mean, the stuff they're doing—it's a hardcore developer app. I love uh, the BB Edit. Like, it's it's a great yeah. app, but it's not it's not your typical app. No, it's not. No, but
1: it's it's one of those that's been knocking around for a very 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 long time.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. See, Apple seem to be targeting sort of the the ninety percent with the App Store. They're, yeah, they don't seem interested in the hundred percent. They are,
1: of course, and uh, like I say, a lot of the arguments, you know, the the app developer's point of view, I, I think they're very real, but um, they are somewhat marginal in the sense that a lot of people can release a perfectly fully functional app through the Mac App Store because they don't need things like file system access.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of actually surprised because uh, I'm, I'm guest hosting Alison's other show this weekend, and in prep for that, I decided to do an app review because I haven't done one of them in years on my blog. And so there, there's an app called Magnet that lets you rearrange Windows on the Mac into, like, prearranged patterns, like, you know, say, yes. quadrants or whatever. It's yes, in 100%. the Mac App Store, and that's actually compatible with all the various APIs that Apple now make available through the Mac App Store. That, that amazes me that an app like that... Can now work through the App Store. So obviously, Apple have been expanding their APIs. I think it uses the accessibility APIs to do its work. Sure.
1: Yeah. And I, I look, at I mean, the big argument that um, the big
0: argument that a lot
1: of app developers are making, particularly around the Mac App Store, was you can obviously make exceptions because your own apps work perfectly well. So you know, we've got Pages and Numbers and and Keynote, um, which are Mac App Store apps. Apps, but aren't sandboxed effectively. Um, so, the, I think what what a lot of the app I'm talking about Mac developers now, we're we're kind of saying, why isn't this just a set of entitlements that we apply for? We get them if you grant them to us, and now our app can do you know good I stuff i think
0: that is i mean technically that is how it works the thing is just that apple haven't written an <laughs> entitlement for every conceivable thing because you can always <laughs> yeah. come up with something else that there should be an entitlement for but i think the number of possible entitlements is, has grown significantly over the years it, possi- it possibly has it possibly has i know there's no way magnets could have been in, or magnet could have been in the app store w- in the first year of the app store there's just no sure. way there were entitlements for that kind of thing back then yeah
1: as a user, I'm a big fan of the Mac App Store. Um,
0: oh, I love the fact you get a I'm, new Mac, you got go, a Mac developer, you know. So you, you go, you get a new Mac, you open up the App Store, you go to the purchase tab, you go click, 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 click. It's your Mac now.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. I haven't bought a new Mac in a few years, but I think the last time I used, I used the um, upgrade from an old Mac, and you know, a couple of hours later, I had my exact same environment. It was great. Yeah.
0: Uh, something else I, I would like to talk to you about, but it's—I it, it, don't know—it's it, it, potentially a, a controversial topic. But the Mac App Store has ob—well, actually, no, not the Mac App Store. App stores in general, period, have had a an obvious downward pressure on price. Yes. How do you see that whole thing? Because I. As an end you even as an end user, I'm actually disturbed by the downward pressure because I would like there to be more apps I can pay for, so that I can so that good apps will be written. And I may be a weirdo in wanting to be more paid apps for you know sort of the five to ten dollar price point. I sort of like to see more of, but I think I'm the exception, and I think that's why there's this pressure. Like even ninety nine cent, some people scoff at paying ninety nine cent for an app.
1: Yeah, you know, um, th- this is a, a- this is a genuine problem with the Mac apps or with the iOS app store Um, I know a number of app developers who had a living from the app store and are now supplementing that with with contract work and so on Um, certainly the days of get rich quick are long gone right so you know in the first few weeks of of um, the iPhone or certainly of the App Store coming out, you know, you had somebody making a quarter of a million a day on a fart app and all that sort of stuff. That's, <laughs> yeah.
0: all, that's all long gone. Fresh right? over advantage. I <laughs> mean, yeah, last exactly. for a wee while. Uh. Yeah.
1: Um, And then I guess um, it still surprises me that sometimes people will come into our office and say... um. I've got an idea for an app and I'm gonna make a bundle out of it. and the the days of actually making money off the app store are nearly gone. So I, I the way I often describe it to a potential customer is this is just like books, it's like movies, it's like records. So for every Taylor Swift that's out there, you know, there's a thousand people who are talented but nobody knows them and make no money out of their music. Um, and I think that's the way it's gone. And it's, I guess, it's disappointing. I think Apple um, started this wrong by by setting a kind of uh, four ninety nine was considered an expensive app. So when they when they launched with their pricing, they launched with a very cheap pricing model, and it it only went downhill. Um,
0: and it's do not think- that there's less work in an app because it's on a smaller screen. Because I think somehow people think that an iPhone app is somehow less than a Mac app, as if pixels make the app. This is one thing
1: I find myself trying to explain again to to new customers over and over again. And the way I always describe it is it doesn't matter whether it's running on a phone or a mainframe. It's written by the same type of skill set and it's custom software development for your needs. And also, we, we often say to them, look, just because I can demo it in a minute doesn't actually make it simpler. In fact, the constraints like I can be interrupted by a phone call or the battery might die or the network might drop out, make the app even more complex, make the work even more complex. So you're you're absolutely right. The effort involved in crafting a great app um, it has nothing to do with the size of the device that it runs on. Also bear in mind, you know, your iPhone 7 Plus is probably more powerful than your current laptop anyway.
0: You know? Which is so, bizarre. I mean, who yeah. thought we'd be living in that world? Yeah.
1: So – um, so there's that but I, I'll tell you one thing that I always find fascinating with um, with potential clients coming into us so I I I had a guy who came into me one day and he's, he had an idea it was in the um, it was in the tourism space and his argument was because it's tourism they're in and out in two weeks so I've got a whole new pe- set of people I can sell it to two weeks later and there's some logic to that there is some logic to it so um so i said okay well let's 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 play around with the figures a bit so um how much are you going to sell it for and he goes 199 right and i said eh, tell him about the 30% apple tax and all that sort of stuff um this guy uh had with him he had a, a brand new macbook pro on the desk when he sat down he took off his ray-bans and he threw his keys on the table and his keys were to a mercedes
0: Right. So he, uh,
1: yeah, he, 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 spent. This, this guy he, was short of cash. Right. And uh, during that process, I said, uh, I think he had an knife. This is a couple of years ago. I think he had a, a new enough phone. He had an iPhone five or something like that. I said, that's an iPhone five. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm going to ask you a question. When was the last time you purchased an app? And his answer was, I've never purchased an app. And this was somebody who was going to make money off selling apps. Right, and I get this all the time. We see this, we see this very, very regularly, you know, where you know people think they're going to make money off off the app store, but they've never they've never spent the ninety nine cents themselves.
0: And, and I'm guessing advertisement doesn't make up for this. Now, I'm the kind of person who I want to give a developer money so that I never have to see a sodding ad. Like I, yeah. I will look for a way to pay to have those things go away.
1: Yeah, so the the way it works with advertising is if you have a giant user base you will make money. If you don't have a giant user base, you won't.
0: So if you're and a small guy making a cool app, that's no good to you. You have to be someone big before you start.
1: You or, or or your 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 app has to hit a zeitgeist. And remember as well so so this is why like it's not totally dead. I do know some very um successful um independent app developers right so um if you take for example overcasts by marco armand still seems to do very well um david smith's apps pedometer plus plus and so on sleep plus plus they seem to do quite well but these guys are the exception you know they you know there's and for every one of them i'm sure you can find 10 podcast apps in the store that don't do very well yeah. um I should probably mention Castro as well. Castro is by two Irish guys. It's a fantastic podcast app, and they do appear to be making a living off that. Um, but, but like I say, these are the exceptions that are proving the rules. So it's not it's not totally gone. And you can do a good app, and you can get noticed. Um, and advertising may be a model. But frankly, if you if you take for example, what sort of app becomes su- super super popular? Typically, they're the games. Now yes. you are now playing in a world with Electronic Arts. Now with uh, Nintendo, you're playing in a world with Pokemon. You know, you know the the. How do you stand out in that crowd? The competition's just phenomenal. It's people with with, you know, mega 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 mega, mega marketing budgets.
0: Yeah. Uh, and last summer, I think it was at WWC, Apple sort of. Well, they changed the rules so that you could have subscription pricing, and the hope, I think, was that that would give an avenue for developers to to have some ongoing revenue in the app store. Has, has there been any sign of that panning out? They
1: have. Um, so the 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 things I have heard about that is well, the first of all, the subscription model, you still have to provide some sort of ongoing thing. So be that a. Um, be that new features or whatever, you can't just say you've used our app for a year, give us another year subscription. <laughs> okay, um,
0: which I guess is Apple protecting customers again, but I'm not sure I, as a customer, particularly feel a need to be protected in that way because there's something to be said for you know, for the model of giving developers a small amount of money on a semi-regular basis so that their the app stays There
1: So if you if you take for example, um, in fact, I, I think I, I was listening to a podcast recently. Where Marco Arment, who wrote Overcast, was talking about this, and he says that the problem with that model is it's the Microsoft Word model. You just have to keep adding features until it's a, you know, mm-hmm. until it's it, until it's an app that so has so many features that to use it basically it becomes a bit of a pain.
0: Which is not, not, which is actually actively customer hostile, right? I mean, it, I, would, it, I would, yeah, the Microsoft, <laughs> the Microsoft Office Suite is not an example of how to write a good user friendly app.
1: No, but what, what, what it is is it's an illustration of how do you sell a copy year on year. You have to keep doing that, right? So um, th- I've seen other things tried. I've seen people put a tip jar as an in-app purchase, um, oh. so where they say – Do you like us, regardless of ads? But regardless, why don't you give us a tip? And they'll put in three tiers, they'll say one ninety nine, two ninety nine, five ninety nine, something like that. Um and I've heard of uh, anecdotally of that being reasonably good and of course they can build into the app, we could go look for that in a year's time. Um but I'd still say there's a tail there's a tail off there, you know? Sure.
0: Yeah. It is interesting because we do at the moment, we have so many superb apps, but if that's going to continue into the future, it does have to be possible to make it a, a, a good, re, good, honest living on the App Store for developers. And I just worry that if, if that stops being possible, then this wonderful ecosystem we have is it, going to be diluted.
1: Yeah, I think it's certainly diluted, and I think you're you're probably going to lose talent to um, to companies and they may bring that talent elsewhere or they may bring that talent into a bigger company so that an app that you or I don't need to use is better, but it serves a different a different bunch of people. So, um, you know, I, I, I know somebody who did a very nice podcasting app. He's now working for um, a company in Dublin uh, who do who do work for the T V industry, so I'm sure his talents are being used to develop apps for the T V industry. But they're not apps that I'd necessarily ever get to see. So on one hand I'm if you like we're deprived of his talents as an Indie app developer. On the other hand, well he's just that person is using their talents elsewhere.
0: Yeah, actually there is a whole ecosystem of course of private apps in, in the because every corporation can, if they sign up with Apple, set up a private app store for only their employees, which they is can, completely they can. invisible to, to to most of us users.
1: They can and, and and remember, there's companies like us, right? So we we've never. Um, it's kind of subtle. We're not trying to make money off the app store. We sell programmers time. Yes. So, you know, companies come to us and say, I want an app developed and that may be for an advertising campaign. It may be for uh, an internal enterprise app for their, cust- for their staff. It may be, you know, they have a public uh, facing service that they want a mobile app for and they don't want to hire in staff to do that. So they come to us and and that's the model that, we uses that we've done as tapadoo because you know I, I never felt for example personally i was a great ideas person so even though i liked writing apps i didn't think i'd ever hit on a great idea that was going to make money but i knew that if i could provide app development services we can make a living that way
0: Yeah, i guess so for you of course so you can write an app that does things, the advertising business model, and you can write an app that does things, the uh, subscription model, and you can write an app that's just a paid app, but it doesn't make any difference to you because what you sell is the writing of the app. It's up to the person with the ideas to do the the business plan and to figure out whether we want to go the advertising route, whether we want to go the tip jar route, whether we want to go the subscription route. It doesn't make any difference. The code still has to be written. And that's precisely it. And in in fact, I would say a lot of
1: our business customers... Um, the the end goal isn't to make money off the app. The end goal is to enable their users to use their service more, and they have yeah. another way of making money off their users. It's just that the uh, the mobile app is an alternative window into their real world service.
0: Or you could even use the word, as cliche as it is, it's an enabler for the yeah, other things. absolutely, so,
1: absolutely, and that's the, That is what the majority of
0: our Work would be. Actually, thinking about it, if I look at my home screen on my phone, the majority of apps are not there to make money in themselves. They're there to enable me to interact with another service that is actually the business. Absolutely.
1: I mean, Facebook don't make money off their app, they make their money off selling you advertising while you're using their
0: app. (laughs) I was going to say, they make the money off selling you. Yeah. Stop there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. but I mean, the Irish Rail app isn't there as a moneymaker for Irish Rail. It's there because they want your bum on a seat.
1: Absolutely. And the the idea being that, you know what, you are you need to go from Dublin to Cork. You need to go there later on today. You don't know the information, but Irish Rail can provide it to you really quickly because it's in the palm of your hand quicker than bus erin can. And that might be the reason you'll take the train rather than the bus.
0: And that goes, I guess, doubly, triply. So if you're in the greater Dublin area and you literally have a choice between do I grab the Dart, do I grab the Lewis, do Absolutely. I grab a bus, do I grab a taxi, do I grab an Uber, do I grab a Dublin city bike? Exactly, exactly. And we've, as it turns out, we've apps for all of them, so you'll end <laughs> So either way, we go through your great work. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting model, all right. Um, is, is there anything you feel I should have asked you that I didn't, that you think, that we think we should talk about in this conversation. I know that's an uh, evil question, but I, I feel I should give you that opportunity. Uh, I I guess that the norm
1: at this time of year would be to ask, had we applied for WWDC tickets?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that that's all going on, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yes, so... <laughs> WWDC tickets you could apply for from two nights ago, I think, to not yesterday, day before, I think it was. Um. So, yes, we have applied as the simple, simple answer. And and we're no, sending Apple have to
0: given out to Google. To Google. Sorry, say that again? Apple haven't haven't given the results yet, have they? No, it
1: closes on the 31st, and you will know by the 3rd. Um, And then we did get a ticket for Google I.O., so one of our staff is going to Google I.O., which should be great.
0: Oh, actually, I just realized what I meant to ask you, and I forgot to jot it down. Uh, do you notice a difference in how prepared... Android customers are to buy rather than you, you get stuff through ads compared to iOS customers. Is, it, like, is the balance between purchase versus advertisement different on the two platforms?
1: Um, overwhelmingly, people are more likely to purchase in an iPhone app than they are in an Android app.
0: Okay, so um, that's I not, have, that's not just that stuff we hear people say that, that's backed up by reality.
1: We see that all the time, all the time.
0: Because I, I regularly parrot that statistic, but I just I figured you were the person to ask if I should continue to do that or if I should stop. No, I would continue it. But do, do you know what? I mean, the, I I think
1: um, you know I, I I heard once it, it might have been on daring fireball or one of those or talk show or something. By some metric, one of the platforms is always winning.
0: <laughs> Choose so, your metric and get your winner.
1: <laughs> absolutely, and I, I mean, you know what, like um android is a much higher penetration worldwide now um apple would have more share of the money you know so there are only there are only two examples but you you could keep going you know so um you know, you can look at quarterly shares for for devices and say, well, look, Samsung beat Apple last quarter, or whatever it happens to be, but but don't worry, you'll just find another reason to say one is better than the other. Frankly, we're now at a stage where, to some extent, these are platform plays. You know, it's 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 as much about do you want your um you know do you want your your Dropbox or your your Google storage or do you want your iCloud. You know, that's all part of the play as well now. Um, I think, you know, what other hardware you carry comes into it, so you know, personally I carry an iPhone I use a Mac, it all kind of works together. It's not as great as everyone said it used to be. or, or uh, I don't think to. it
0: was ever as great as everyone says it used to be. I've I've been an Apple user for a very long time. It's always been better than what's going on in Windows. It has never been a panacea. It has never been a paradise. It has never been a utopia. It's just always been a little bit less rubbish than everything
1: else. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I, I tend to agree with that. I, I tend not to admit that openly,
0: but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, Apple stuff has always been weird. Like, how long has iTunes existed? It's been pretty awful for almost all of its existence. Yeah, but I think it's trying to do too much. It, it's Yeah, it is, definitely. <laughs> yeah it's
1: it's doing way too much
0: yeah. anyway that's oh my god is that ever a whole other conversation um, We yeah, go yeah. for hours and hours on that one uh thank you very much for your time it's been a, a really fun conversation uh do you want to remind the listeners again uh who your company are you know, you might get some business out of it who knows and uh where they can follow you on social media or whatever if if, if they want to hear more about what you have to say Very good. Thanks very much.
1: Yeah, so the company is tapadoo.com, T-A-P-A-D-O-O.com. And I guess the easiest place to find me is on Twitter, at DermDaily, which is D-E-R-M-D-A-L-Y.
0: Excellent. Again, thank you very much for your time. And uh, fingers crossed in the WWDC lottery. We'll we'll be thinking of you.
1: (laughs) Great. Cheers. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is an unsponsored show, so if you like what you hear, you can help support the show by using the Amazon or App Store affiliate links you'll find over at podfeet.com. I love feedback, so if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email me at Allison at podfeet.com. If you want to join in the conversation with other listeners, you can go over to our Google Plus community at podfeet.com slash Google Plus or our Facebook group over at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.